When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Bleacher Connection, your source for sports and all things in between. As always, you can find us on social media. Trevor is at the BleacherCon 1. I'm at the BleacherCon 2. And today we have another special guest with us to continue talking about the CFL, the league we love. Uh, We've had some players on, some coaches, and today we're excited to have another member of the media joining us. Joining us on the show today is CFL insider and draft analyst, regular contributor on 3downnation.ca, co-host of the 3 Down Nation podcast, John Hodge. John, welcome to the Bleacher Connection. Thanks, boys. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, definitely appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, just checking in. Family's been staying safe and healthy during the pandemic. We're, uh, we're, we're trucking along so far, uh, so far, so good, I guess, given the, uh, given, given the circumstances, we're good. Uh, good to hear. So I guess we'll jump right into it today, John. Uh, our first question, what got you into covering the CFL and, and kind of tell us about the early part of your career that eventually led you to three down nation. Sure. I mean, I, I can't remember a time that I didn't love the CFL. Um, I grew up in a CFL household. Um, I was born, raised in Winnipeg. The Jets moved away when I was when I was five, um, and so you know I I, can, I have vague memories of the Jets moving away. But I grew up in a CFL city and a CFL family, and so the Bombers were were number one. Um, but every other team was very close second. And and as time went on, I didn't I kind of didn't realize that my family was weird. You know, like there's a lot of CFL fans out there who you know they watch their team and they turn off the TV. My family would watch, you know three, four, five CFL games a week if the opportunity was there and the availability was there. And so I've been that way my whole life. I've followed all the teams and, um, you know, I, I kind of started getting into actually covering primarily the Bombers in 2014. I launched my own website called bluebombertalk.com. And uh, my goal was to, uh, I did it for a year. I, I developed kind of a niche little following, which is cool. And then um, I launched my own site, um, independent from kind of that blog. And my goal is to make money from it in a year. And uh, about a week after I launched my own site, uh, I got an email from Drew Edwards saying, Hey, do you want to be part of this thing called three downnation.com? We'll pay you a little bit of money. And I said, okay, yeah, cool. So I, I ditched my site that I just launched and uh, put a bunch of work into, and uh, I joined three <laughs> down and the rest is uh, the rest is kind of history. We're celebrating our sixth anniversary on May 4th. Uh, that's upcoming in uh, just a few short weeks. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a blast. I, I started, you know, as a bomber blogger and, um, as time's gone on, I've got into covering more league issues. Uh, I would say the thing I'm most passionate about is probably covering the draft. Um, but at this point it's been so long since we've seen football that frankly, I would, uh, do just about anything to cover an actual game. And we do anything to watch a game. Yeah. No kidding. I think uh, both, both Trevor and I are like you, uh, we, we watch all the games that are on. I'm a Lions fan. He's a Stamps fan, but I know if the wife's 
not around. I'm, I've got all the games on throughout the week and uh, I'm watching it, whatever game's on. Absolutely. That's the way to be. And that's, that's something I think is so special about the CFL. And there's been a lot of, you know, talk recently about how the league's too small or the league's whatever. I think the size of the league is fantastic because one of the challenges and I, I'm wearing the Jets hat today, uh, mostly just out of uh, props for them likely making the playoffs for the first time in what seems like a bit, but you know, at, at the end of the day, the NHL is such an overwhelming size, right? Like if you, you could be the world's most hardcore or Oilers fan, but you, you're not going to know what's going on with the Carolina, Carolina Hurricanes, or you could be the most, you know, hardcore Toronto Maple Leafs fan, but you're not going to know what's going on with the San Jose Sharks. And one of the things I think is so great about the CFL is that small size. It's, it's, it's something that, you know, it's, it's easy to catch every game, right? There's no competing games. It's not like the, you know, the 1 PM kickoff for, for NFL and you kick off and boom, there's, there's eight, 10, 12 games all taking place at the same time. Everybody in the country gets to sit down and watch the same game at the same time. I think that makes the social media experience so much better when everybody's sitting and actually watching the same game and having the same conversation, debating the same penalty calls or debating the same coaching decisions or talking about the same injuries or talking about the same play calls or talking about the same performances. It's one conversation that takes place. It's not scattered among all these different games and players who fans may or may not even know. So I, I love the fact that the CFL is a small league. I, I, I prefer it that way, actually. And I think that's one of its strengths. Maybe, maybe not a strength from a financial standpoint, but I think certainly from an entertainment standpoint, in my view, that is one of its assets, not a drawback. No, I totally agree with that. Uh, for our listeners that may not know, tell us what Three, three Down Nation is all about. Um, so Three Down Nation is essentially a one-stop shop for all the Canadian football news that you could want. Obviously, a lot of our news is about the CFL, but we also cover uh, anything Canadian football, whether it's Canadian players in the NFL, Canadian players in the NCAA, uh, youth sports, a little bit of Canadian junior football in there as well. Um, we, we do it all. We've even had uh, some articles in the last few days about um, you know, longtime CFL coaches going over to Europe to play or former Heck Crichton Trophy winner, um, Chris Merchant going and playing out, out in Europe. So we've even done some of the global coverage. Um, our guy, JC Abbott is doing a full player ranking for all the globals ahead of the global draft that's coming cool. up in just a few short days. So basically if, if it's football and it has anything to do with Canada or Canadians, it's on our site. We, we pride ourselves on, on basically being the only Canadian football daily publication out there. Um, so I, 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 it's, it's something that I'm passionate about and um, we're lucky to have so many amazing readers and, and fans who, who like what we do and keep coming back day after day. Yeah. You guys definitely have a lot of content on there and it's really interesting and, and fun to read and listen to. So you said you've been covering the league since 2014 as a draft analyst and an insider. Tell it like, how does one become a CFL insider? <laughs> um, the way that I became a CFL insider was to become friends and colleague with Justin Dunk and then just copy everything that he does. Um, <laughs> I think that originality is vastly overrated. Um, and, and I don't say that to mean, you know, you shouldn't find your own path because we all have a unique path, but if, if somebody else has figured out a system or a pattern that works, I think the best thing that anybody could do is take that and try the, try the whole thing. Just, just take that, fit it into what you do. And then inevitably you'll find parts of it that don't work for you or parts that are different or parts that, that maybe, you know, could be tweaked a little bit for your benefit. But 
If somebody else has already invented the wheel, you should not spend your time reinventing it. You should copy the wheel and then tweak the things that don't work for you. And I mean, Dunk still breaks way more stories than I do. He's the Adam Schefter, the CFL after all. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm really proud when I break stuff because just like everybody else, I have to compete with Dunk. So when I know something <laughs> and I can tell him or I can report it first, oh, it, 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 warms, my, it warms my heart uh, because it uh, makes me feel good. There's nothing worse than thinking you have a scoop and then you say, hey, I'm hearing this. And he's like, yeah, that, that happened a week ago. Don't worry about it. You know, that, oh, it's like a dagger. So anyways, that's, that's what I did. Um, and, and by the way, you know, insider is, it's a buzzword. It's, it's something that I think is really, you know, it's, it's mysterious. It's sexy. It's at the end of the day, it's just talking on the phone with people. The tricky part is gaining their trust um, and, and making them feel comfortable, right. With telling you things. Um, you know, sometimes I can tell, I write an insider talk column every single week where I provide on Wednesday mornings, anonymous quotes for people around the CFL. That's a tricky one to navigate because I have found that since I started writing it, and by the way, I started writing it because, uh, Kirk Penton, who covered the league for many, many years, um, is somebody I consider a friend, um, you know, brilliant, brilliant reporter. Uh, he did it for a year, stopped doing it. And I reached out to him. I said, Hey, I'm think, I think I have enough context now. I could do this. Would you be cool with that? And he was like, absolutely. He said, I would be delighted if somebody picked up that mantle and did it. Cause I was so proud of that column and no one else has done it. Um, so I think he should, uh, but he did warn me ahead of time. He said, some people are going to try to take advantage of, of their relationship with you. And I have, I have noticed sometimes, okay, I think this person is phrasing criticism of somebody else in an extremely harsh way, specifically to try to get it in insider talk. So you have to be mindful of agendas or, or, or things like that, that people will have, but I try to keep inter insider talk clean, right? If it's criticism of a, of a person, it's going to be, um, even if it's not necessarily phrased that way on the phone, I'll try to massage it into being respectful and, and not about the person or the personality. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to print anything where somebody makes fun of the sound of somebody's voice or somebody's appearance or somebody that's, that's not professional, but if they're criticizing a football move and it's phrased in a respectful way, I think that's, I think that's valid. Um, but yeah, it's at the end of the day, it's just a whole bunch of talking on the phone. That's what it is. The, the, and, and, and once you reach a certain point too, the nice part is when you call somebody for the first time, they know what to expect. They know who this person is in the publication they write for. They know who this is. Um, so maybe their defenses are not high. The tricky part is, is getting into that um, at the start. But at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's probably not, again, as fun or as sexy as it seems from the outside. It's, uh, it can be pretty bland sometimes. But, uh, hey, it's, it's still fun at the end of the day. No, absolutely. And I think you pretty much answered my next question. You, I was going to ask you about kind of how do you get your information and you build the trust and, you know, lots of phone calls and lots of uh, clean reporting. So Ken, if you want to jump into your next question. Yeah. So kind of one of the big reasons we wanted to kind of have you on and talk today is about like with the CFL and everything that's going on right now. So if we're looking solely at the CFL, in your opinion, do you think the league is capable of making it on their own if for whatever reason, because of the pandemic, because uh, health regulations from the government, they don't play this season. Uh, are they capable of doing it on their own? Because Trevor and I have talked about this in the past where, and this is just our gut feeling, nothing really more than that. We think the league would be in serious trouble if they don't play for a second year. Um, and kind of like with that, if John Hodge was commissioner, what changes would you implement to make the league stronger? 
Uh, let me start with the second part. So the first thing I would do as commissioner is I, was, is I would implement revenue sharing. Revenue sharing was commonplace in the CFL for decades. Um, in fact, somebody recently sent me uh, a really cool, it was a photo. They emailed me of a, of a excerpt from Jake Godard's, uh, it was his address. He, he was a, probably the greatest CFL commissioner of all time. Uh, Jake Godard held the mantle for close to 20 years. Anyways, Godard. Are, he put in his, um, uh, it, was, it was his great cup address, you know, basically year in review report that he gave. And in there, he said, if it wasn't for revenue sharing and gate equalization is, is what they called it, um, the CFL would not survive. And so he was talking about that in 1977, which we often consider the heyday of the CFL, right? Oh, the 70s and the 80s, every, oh, the CFL was number one. CFL made all this money, so relevant in BC, so relevant in Toronto, so relevant in Montreal. Well, Jake Goddard, 1977, was saying, without gate equalization, the CFL would not be around. So currently, the CFL's biggest problem, in my view, is that it's nine teams just kind of functioning on their own individual basis or not functioning, let's be honest, uh, without really regard for the league as a whole. And so I think if you had one common goal, um, which, by the way, every larger league than the CFL seems to have, the NFL has revenue sharing. They work together, not apart. Um, you know, I think that would be the number one thing that I would do. And frankly, if teams weren't willing to, 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 to provide that and work for a common goal, as opposed to we're going to do this over here and they can do this over there and I don't care about them. Uh, frankly, I don't think I would want to be the commissioner of the CFL because that's to me that that could be the end of the CFL. Um, the other thing that they need to do desperately is to get involved in this gambling space that's been opened by Bill 218 is, is you know, people keep talking about, oh, the CFL lost, you know, you know, Randy Ambrosi told the House of Commons Finance Committee they lose 10 to 20 million dollars a year. It's like, well, if you approach a large gambling company and you say, look, we're prepared to make you our exclusive gambling partner. We're going to put your logo on our jerseys. We're going to promote you in stadium across the league, which, by the way, requires the cooperation of nine teams working together <laughs> as opposed to for their own selfish interests. And we're going to put your, your props on the Jumbotron. We're going to push in game for people to download your betting app. We're going to talk about you on the TSN or CFL and TSN broadcast with the panel saying, hey, at this, you know, at blank company. And that requires, you know, cooperation from Bell Media as well. But the CFL and, and the TSN, I mean, they're, they're essentially this, this, it's almost like talking to one entity in some cases. Um, you know, that if it's exclusive, I think is worth a tremendous amount of money. More, more than enough that if nothing else changed, the CFL, I think it'd be profitable. So those are the two things. The teams have to work together and, and, and they need to completely 100% uh, embrace gambling because young people love to gamble and they love to gamble on football. Those are the two things that we know. Uh, the statistics bear that out time and time again. And obviously the NFL is king, but the CFL has been around for a hundred years uh, for, for a reason, right? Canadian professional football dates back over a century. The Toronto Argonauts have been around for 150 years. So we know that people like the CFL. We know that people like gambling and if the CFL wants young people to pay attention, to care about the league. Then I think obviously gambling is a big part of that. Now getting to the first part of your question, I do think the CFL will play in 2021. My concern is it's going to take so long to get this off that uh, we're going to see even more player retirements. We've already seen a ton of notable players, lots of them young, right? Guys like Bryant Mitchell, uh, you know, fat thousand yard receiver, like, um, you know, uh, 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 Ricky Collins Jr. Uh, we've seen all these guys move on 
And there's a lot of guys behind the scenes who I think are telling their teams or their agents or their teammates quietly, I'm out, right? I, I'm making good money. I've been in my job for a year. I have my degree. I'm starting to make money. And I've been told in you know three, five, six years, I'm going to be getting this promotion or they see me as this partner or they see me as doing this, filling this role. I'm out. I'm not, I'm not putting my body through the rigors of football, especially if, right, if you quit your job, you go to training camp and get cut because a team can't afford to pay you or a team doesn't want, like, that's devastating. Right now you're in a pandemic, a bad job market, and you have nothing, right? You, you gave up a good job to go play in the CFL. Now you're cut, you're gone. So that's my primary concern right now. Isn't necessarily playing in 2021. It's more, you know, having a good product in 2021, because depending on how many veterans bounce, you could have a really ugly product, I fear. Um, that said, I think you're absolutely right. If the league hypothetically did not play in 2021, then they're, I think they're, they, they've grown irrelevant, right? It's been already been 18 months since we've seen a CFL game take place. People have short memories. Uh, people forget things very quickly. And uh, I think there's already been a lot of damage, long-term damage done to the Canadian Football League by not playing in 2020. I think there were valid windows to play in 2020. The league did not, did not go down that road, unfortunately. Um, so I think they have to get on the field in 2020, 20, or pardon me, in 2021, no matter what what i think the odds of that are very good i just have concerns about what that will look like is the product going to be there because if 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 all your players from 2019 are coming back and they're in shape and they're ready to roll the cfl game is the best game in the world i truly believe that and i don't just mean football i mean it's the best game in the world um the question is what is it going to look like i can't answer that but i fear it's not going to be the same game that we saw or at least it's not at the beginning going to be the same game that we saw it might be a bit watered down to start and the longer they wait to play the more that'll be true. For sure. Yeah. Uh, when the news broke of the talks between the CFL and XFL, what were your initial thoughts? And did you have an inkling prior to this going public that this was <laughs> going to come out? Okay. This is a true story. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't shared this anywhere else. About a week before the news came out, I got a DM from a random Twitter account with almost no followers. And they asked me what would, I still have the DM. What have you heard about the XFL purchasing the CFL and merging the leagues? And I politely said, uh, nothing, that's not going to happen. Um, and uh, so obviously I was wrong. Um, and uh, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that that person was, um, was not a random person um, at all. It was probably an executive or somebody who's, who's working this deal, um, reaching out to try to see what CFL is. Because I know for a fact, I'm not the only one who got this direct message. Um, now, with that being said, all the leaks seem to have been on the American side, not the Canadian side. In Canada, we had no idea this was coming. On the American side, it seems like lots of XFL people had some type of inkling before this announcement. Um, one thing I want to say right away is there's no narrative of, oh, we're talking about talking is accurate. Um, when the news first broke, I asked Wade Miller, the president and CEO of the Bombers that day, is this related to the CFL's financial problems? And he outright said, no, he denied it completely. He just said, oh, this group is so great that, that you know, we'd want to be affiliated with them no matter what. Or, or he didn't say that exactly, I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially said we would listen to this group uh, regardless of the circumstances, which again, I'm not really buying. I'm highly skeptical of that. Um, obviously we know the CFL is in some financial straits. Now, if they wanted to fix their own financial problems, they could do it without, you know, any, I mean, I, I wrote an article this morning revealing that the CFL six privately owned teams have a lot more money than Redbird Capital. 
I'm not suggesting Redbird Capital is not an impressive company. They don't have amazing, you know, holdings and more money that, you know, than, than I could even dream of, of seeing, much less having. Um, but we know the CFL's owners, the six private owners, um, are all backed by exorbitantly wealthy people. And the three publicly owned teams all make money. They're all profitable year in, year out. They're not the problem. The problem is the privately owned teams. And we seem to fall over ourselves to say, oh, well, if this team loses a million dollars a year, that business is not viable. It's like, well, they're owned, they're owned by somebody worth 1.5 billion. And um, that owner has done next to nothing to try to build this business, right? If, if a business in any other industry fails, we don't necessarily Right, right. If 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 I own a convenience store and it fails, the problem isn't that convenience stores don't work. After all, 7-Eleven, I know in Winnipeg where I grew up, there's a 7-Eleven on every street corner. Obviously, they make money. The issue is some of them are just really poorly run and they need more investment from their owners to make them better places for people to shop and, and, and better places for people to visit. Um, so at, at the end of the day, I, I don't believe that the CFL's business model is broken. I think it's broken if you want to get rich, just owning a CFL team. Um, but traditionally, that's not been the role of a professional sports team. It's a pretty new phenomenon that's, that, that sports teams are supposed to make you rich, right, and pay for themselves. Uh, traditionally, they've been a hobby asset, something no different than a fancy sports car or a yacht, right? It's a vanity asset. Hey, how many people can say they own a professional sports team? How many people can say they have a sports team that, that played in a championship game and 4 million people watched it on TV? Not, not many people People can say exceedingly few. So you're buying that, uh, uh, you know, almost like a membership to that exclusive club. And if that's all owners want, the CFL will be around for another hundred years, no problem. Even if they don't make any changes to the business model, I think they can change, make changes to at least break even every year. Are they ever going to make enough changes to print money like the NFL? Doubtful. And that I think is where the XFL people have somewhat of an argument because maybe, maybe if you can have a 20 team league, let's say 10 teams in Canada, 10 in the United States, and you can get some of that TV money from the States and you can have a, a really substantial TV uh, partner in Canada, even more so than the, than the Canadian football league currently does. Maybe at that point, we're talking about printing money five, 10, 20 years down the road. Will it happen? I'm nervous because the XFL has failed twice. And yes, COVID caused the cancellation of the 2020 season, Pandemic is something that nobody saw coming. However, it's undeniable. The league has been around for two iterations. Both times it was backed by one of the biggest uh, uh, entertainment entrepreneurs on the planet. Vince McMahon is worth $2.5 billion just himself. And it failed both times. And they failed to make it through right more season in 2001 and they failed to make it more than halfway through a season in 2020 so the idea that the xfl is going to come in and be a savior i'm not buying it i'm highly skeptical about that could it work possibly but i think more more would have to go right with that than than wrong in a big way it's not it's not a gamble i'll put it this way I, it's not a gamble i would be comfortable making if i owned a franchise so both trevor and i are kind of we're holding our final opinions on what is going on until we can actually get some more uh, factual information or just information of what's truly going on and what it looks like by both ends. But, you know, we both love the league and I think fair to say we'd support it in whatever, whatever it looks like going forward. We just, we want the CFL to be around. If, as it, cause it's talking about a merger, if that was to happen in your opinion, what is the best case scenario for that playing out? 
if if it goes that route. We don't know that it will. It sounds like it might, but I I think the the only positive that could come from a merger is is financial security for the league. Um, because none of us want the CFL to go away. And that's true of whether it's the CFL or whether it is the CXFL or whatever it is they're going to call this new league, provided there's a merger. Um, that being said, I have very strong trepidation that the game is going to be compromised in a way that sees it less entertaining, sees it become less unique, sees it become less intriguing than it already is. Um, obviously I'm biased. I grew up on three down football, but I've also watched the NFL for 20 years. And I, I, I believe the three down game is the best game. It's the most exciting game. And actually I think the second most exciting game of football in the world is NCAA football, college football, which plays by not extraordinarily different, but still a a distinct uh, version of the rules from the NFL. Um, I think the NFL is, is actually down the list in terms of entertainment value. And I think, a lot of people have misconstrued the fact that Canadians like the NFL to mean Canadians like the four down football. That's not true. The, the Canadian uh, viewership and fandom of American college football has not grown over the last five years. Whereas in the NFL, the data tells us that it's almost, you know, it's grown by about 50%. Like there's way more NFL fans in Canada than there were even five years ago. College football, which again, I think is a more entertaining product. And most football fans, I think, would, that's anecdotal, but I think more football fans would say, you know, who really know both games, they would say, oh, college is more exciting. The answer, obviously, is better players, but college, I think, is more exciting. College hasn't grown. The CFL has. NFL has grown hugely. College hasn't. So I think three down, the, the, the number of downs, the rules, all those things are not the problem. The issue is I don't think you can sell the XFL on playing three down football. I don't think you can have a hybrid league, right? These are coaches who, you know, they're, they're often working on one-year contracts. And you have, you have to play a game in on, on a Friday in Houston, it's like, okay, it's 11 man ball. We need a 320 pound nose tackle, 250 pound middle linebacker. There's no waggle on the offensive side of the ball. There's four down football. And then Thursday night, six days later, we're playing a three down game in Montreal. And we're gonna have a 65 yard wide field. We need a 260 pound defensive tackle, 220 pound linebacker who covers sideline to sideline, five receivers, full motion. It does not work. And especially if you're a coach on a one-year contract, like you're hinging the rest of your career on the success or failure of teaching two completely different systems simultaneously. Like it would almost like being a symphony orchestra, but every other week you got to play like a jazz gig. It's like, that does not, it does not work. You're, you're one or the other. Um, And the other thing is the timing of the league. The XFL is unwilling to compete with the NFL which means the only opportunity for the CFL to merge their schedule would be to follow the XFL timeline, which is, you know, March to August. Well, I live in Manitoba. I don't want to sit outside for a football game in March. And so, you know, these are, these are the reasons why I'm skeptical that a merger could work. Um, I don't, I, a lot of Canadian fans have said they don't want to watch four down football. They, they're not going to pay to watch football. I don't believe, um, out, outdoors in March or even April is dicey, right? I'm getting to, we're getting eight inches of snow uh, tomorrow in Manitoba where I live. Um, and it's already mid April, right? If, if there was a, CF, a CXFL game, you know, at, at IG field tomorrow, that would be an ugly situation. Not many people want to come. And then you've got the, uh, and then by the way, you're also competing a lot more at the NHL. 
Uh, yeah, you're not competing with the NFL, but the CFL already goes out of its way to not schedule games directly against the NFL. Whereas the NHL, well, the NHL playoffs happen every bloody night of the week, right? You yeah. can't, you can't avoid yeah. the NHL playoffs. Um, so I, I have a lot of skepticism, but I think if there is any type of agreement, the only thing that makes any sense is a merger. I don't think you can keep the league separate. This is just my opinion, but I don't think you can realistically keep the league seg- separate. I don't think you can realistically em- employ two sets of rules with two sets of field dimensions and two sets of everything. I think it would be a full-blown merger. And I think that the Canadian game as we know it would be gone, which I would find devastating. And hey, if, if the only possible alternative to that is folding the league, then I'm all for it. Get me a CFL, XFL hat. I'll proudly wear it. Yeah. But my my issue through this whole thing is the league has failed to illustrate to me in any type of meaningful way publicly or any of their contacts privately to really prove that this, this merger is necessary. I don't think the narrative that this is going to save the CFL is accurate at all. I think this is the owners potentially seeing dollar signs and saying, Hey, I've got an asset that kind of sort of breaks even. Some years we lose a little, a little bit of money. Some years we break even. What if I could turn that into a potential money-making asset? And if it goes away, then it goes away. And, and to me, if the CFL disappears in three, five years because a merger happens and it goes awry, that would be heartbreaking. I talked to somebody this week. They literally said, and I, I feel the same way. They literally said if the CFL died, it would be like losing. And I, I couldn't agree more. I, I can't remember a time. Literally, and I know I speak for a lot of Canadians who are the same way. I literally cannot remember a time when I was not a CFL fan. And uh, not having games in 2020 was awful. Um, you know, we can't lose this league. And, and I think there's, there's a ton of risk associated with the merger. Yes, there's risk in staying the same. But again, this league is owned by billionaires. It's not like losing a million dollars this year or $2 million the next year is a huge problem, especially when you consider that from a business side, this league has done very little to sustain itself or build itself for 30 years. John, with the lack of information being released kind of by both leagues, do you think this has been handled well or poorly? And is the criticism of Randy Ambrosi online, is that warranted? And could they have done it differently? I, I think the only reason that the announcement that they're talking about talking came out was because le- le- the news was going to leak. I think that's the only reason why, like, I, I can understand from just a lot of perspective, why else you come out and say, we're talking about talking when in fact, again, we know these talks have been happening for months, right? They're not just talking about talking. They're talking about a full blown merger of these two leagues. That is a fact. Um, so I'll, I'll say this. One thing that I think we all have trouble keeping in mind sometimes is that Randy Ambrosi does not make all the decisions. His job is to reflect the desires and the wants and the needs of the league's nine owners and the nine presidents. Um, they pay his salary. He does their bidding. Now, it is also the responsibility of a commissioner or a leader, uh, right, to bring some original ideas to the table, uh, to, to provide insight, to provide leadership. Uh, because these team, you know, these team owners, for instance, they're not losing sleep over what's going on with their CFL team. They got way bigger businesses, way bigger issues, way bigger fish to fry. And I think that is part of the anxiety around the pandemic because a lot of these exor- exorbitantly wealthy people have lost some money during the pandemic. And all of a sudden, you know, they, they didn't used to care about losing, you know, a million bucks here or $500,000 there on their CFL team. All of a sudden that money matters to them because they've lost money elsewhere and they're looking to cut losses. Um, so I, on the one hand, I think maybe, maybe 
the criticism of Randy Ambrose is overblown. The thing that I still have to point to and say, however, this was a true disaster, was at the beginning of the pandemic, we're approaching the one-year anniversary of Randy Ambrosi going to the the or going to the, the the House of Commons Finance Committee, and without being at all even remotely transparent about the real financial situation the CFL is in, opening a single book, he also failed at all to really illustrate the importance of the CFL in asking for that loan. And by asking for $150 million essentially upfront, he painted the CFL in such a negative light. That's, that was what, in my, my view, started this narrative in a way, or started this, you know, this, this optic that, oh, the CFL is just this broke second or third class league antiquated, nobody cares about. Because again, I've looked at all the data. I know it's not true. Is the CFL as big as the NFL? Of course not. It never will be. But, you know, it, it, it's the second most popular sport in Canada by a long shot. It's the second most popular uh, game in Canada by a long shot. And the TV numbers dwarf anything else. I mean, the Grey Cup is still the number one Canadian broadcast of the year. It's usually top 10 overall. Everything else on the list, and in non-Olympic years, it's actually usually top five, but everything else is American. We're talking about the, you know, the Academy Awards. We're talking about, you know, the, the, the Game 7, the Stanley Cup Finals between the Sharks and Bruins. Or we're talking about, right, we're talking about American uh, productions of American teams or American awards or American events. I'm talking about Canadian. What do we do in Canada that we care about and put on television? Great Cup's number one every year, every year. Uh, the only exception might be, you know, something like 2010, where you've got Canadians in Canada covering Canada, winning the Olympic gold medal in men's hockey. That would really be the only, the great cup every year. So I, I think that, you know, his, his performance there, and I've talked to a number of people who felt that that should have been Randy Ambrosi's last day as commissioner. Uh, that was really, that was, that was his first shot to, to really paint uh, the CFL, I think, in a light that was okay. This is these these are the 20 things that we do for your country. These are the 20 things that we do for our citizens and the amazing, um, you know, the 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 wonderful things that we do in your schools and in your communities. And this is this is the money that we raise for food banks across Canada. This is you know what we do. This is, these are the football camps that we do for underprivileged kids. Uh, uh, this is what we do. This is our initiative to get you know women involved in the sport. This is our you know these are all the things we do. And by the way, I've presented, we, we've got all of our books here available to you, which again, they haven't done throughout this whole process is actually open the books and say, this is our revenue. These are our expenses. This is what the math is. And by the way, this is not an anomaly because I can show you the last 10 years before this exactly what it is. No team has done that. Nothing has happened public, publicly. It's all been cloak and dagger behind, hiding behind sources. Oh, well, we lose this much money. Well, can you prove you lose that much money uh you're gonna have to take our word for it i'm sorry that's when you go to the government asking for, for 150 million dollars uh i this is we this is just take our word for it. that doesn't cut it and i don't want to live in a country by the way where anybody can go to the government and say take my word for it i need this amount of money and the government says here's the check you know go go, go to the bank yeah. um if, if that was if that was possible we'd all be, right so anyways i i think his performance um, and, and, and many areas has been extremely poor in some, I think it's, you know, it's kind of beyond the scope of what he, you know, uh, uh, cause I, I, I can't speak for all nine owners. I don't know the exact direction he's been given and, and he's not going to tell anybody cause 
obviously that's information that needs to be kept, uh, needs to be kept internal. Um, but um, no, I think, I think the leadership overall over the last year has been very poor. Um, that's more than just Mr. Ambrosi. Um, but um, that's one of the most discouraging things. Cause again, I think if the CFL had competent leadership, I think they would have gotten on the field in 2020. And I think they would be in a position where they could solve their own problems um, and build off past success. Cause that's the other thing. The CFL didn't start struggling with COVID the CFL um, from a bit, not from a fan perspective, because the fan interest is up, but from a business perspective has been stagnant for a long time. And that's, I think the price they're paying right now in this pandemic is they haven't diversified their, their revenue streams. They haven't done a good enough job monetizing their fans and they haven't done a good enough job capturing the, the all important demographic of people between the age of 20 and 35. I fall into that. Uh, but I, I know I'm somewhat of an exception there, not the rule. More people in my age demographic prefer the NFL to the CFL. The, the numbers do bear that out. So, um, no, I think the leadership has been poor. Irreparably bad? I don't know. I, I'd like to think they can still salvage this thing. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. Now before we let you get going here, John, we've got a couple of quick hitters that we really want to ask you. For Outside sure. of Winnipeg, what's your favorite stadium and city to play a game in? Or to watch a game in, sorry. <sighs> I, I'm a sucker for Percival Molson. Admittedly, I haven't been to all nine buildings yet, but I was absolutely blown away by the scenery around Percival Molson, playing a football game in the mountains. Unbelievable. Gorgeous. Roughly how many, like during a regular season, are you just going to games in Winnipeg or are you going, are you across the league going to games? I, I, I only go to games in Winnipeg at the moment. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get to the point where I can fly to each city. Um, but I, I, I've yet to make it to new mosaic. My, I ha I actually booked my hotel for 2020. Um, obviously that did not work out, uh, to go for the first time. Um, I've been to, I've been to combines in Regina and Toronto and I, 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 I've been to, uh, I, I checked out a game at that old sky dome. I've been to McMahon. Um, but, uh, it is definitely on the bucket list to get to all of them, but I, I love Montreal because the narrative around, you know, personal Molson seemed to be, that's just this tiny old lousy building on, you know, at, at McGill university. And once I actually got there, yeah, it lacks some honored amenities. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, I, I was extremely pleased with the game day, uh, atmosphere, especially just around the city. I found the energy to be really, really great. And that might be because, and, and for the record, the game I was at McMahon, was the or pardon me at uh, Molson Stadium was the same game that Chad Johnson made his uh, Montreal Alouettes debut. So I know there were a lot of people pumped and psyched for that. People calling his name all around the stadium. But uh, considering I grew up going to Canada Inns, which was a dump in the middle of a parking <laughs> lot in a, a blue collar area of Winnipeg, going to you know a game in the uh, on a mountain range with a hospital and the trees and everything around, uh, oh, I loved that. I thought it was fantastic. I'm a season ticket holder at McMahon Stadium. I know all about uh, a lack of amenities. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, as a CFL insider, has there been any uh, like recent transactions that would have like been considered a blockbuster and franchise altering, altering that fell through? That fell through. What What do you mean has by there, that exactly? Has there was is there any major transactions that almost happened but didn't? Oh, that you that you'd be willing to report on. Um, to, to me, the biggest transactions that have come up of late are just the retirements. Like if you go back to February, I mean, the Blue Bombers signing a player like Bryant Mitchell, right, who 
was averaging almost 100 yards a game with Edmonton. It was like, okay, the Bombers have needed that number one receiver for, for a long time. They tried Chris Matthews and they tried Ryan Smith and they tried Kenny Stafford and they tried right every year they go at Darius Bowman. They try, they go out every year and they sign a big name receiver. And it's like, okay, now they got their compliment to Darvin Adams. Well, Bryant Mitchell was the latest and now he's gone. And, um, and, and the other thing between now and when the 2020 season eventually starts, there's going to be a lot more of those. There's going to be teams to all of a sudden they find, okay, we've, we've lost our top pass rusher, or there's going to be a team Okay, we've we've just lost our running back, or there's going to be teams. I think the quarterbacks make enough money that they're probably all coming back. But you know, if you're a veteran receiver, running back, whatever, you know, a lot of these guys, especially if the season is shortened, and they're going to say, "Oh, yeah, you can come, but you're only going to make fifty percent of your salary." I think there's going to be a lot of those, and teams are going to be hard pressed and put in tough situations in short periods of time to try to find replacements for all-star caliber players. And has, have you ever put a piece of info out that you did report on that you were a little hesitant and how do you manage to make sure you're always being like super accurate? Um, I think the, the biggest learning curve for me in that regard is um, patience is key. It's better to be second <laughs> than to be wrong. You have to be, it's exciting to be first. Um, but there are times where I, I will have to hold information for, you know, six, eight, 10 days at a time. And, and anybody who reports things first um, is in the same boat because if you, if, if a source tells you something, but it's too soon to reveal that information and you put them at risk, they'll never tell you anything again. Um, and, and if you put something out and it's wrong, then the public will lose their trust in what you have to say. Um, so I, I try to vet everything to the point that I've got either a super, super, super well-trusted source or, I've, or I'm hearing it in two, three different places. Because uh, again, it's, it's better to be second and right than first and wrong. So you gotta be, you gotta be right. That's the most important thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, John, before we let you go here, because we've gone a little bit over, I wanna give you the opportunity to kind of tell our listeners again all about Three Down Nation and where people can find you. Sure, so I'm on Twitter uh, at John D. Hodge. It's J-O-H-N-D-H-O-D-G-E. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at john.d.hodge. Admittedly, I, I always promote that and then I never post anything. So I got to get better at posting on Instagram. Um, but uh, yeah, you can find us at 3downnation.com, at 3downnation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you find your, your stuff. I recently created a TikTok, TikTok account for 3downnation, uh, but I'm still so unbelievably confused by that app and what it even is that I get to post anything. So as soon as I, I get... Uh, uh, I don't know what my, my, uh, some, someone's 12 year old niece or nephew to, to, to show me what, what to do on TikTok. We'll have some content there and, uh, yeah, uh, three down nation. It's a one-stop shop for any Canadian football news you could ever hope to know, want to know, uh, and probably some stuff you even don't want to know. It's, uh, it's a great, great, great product, I think. And, uh, we put a lot of hard work and, and we put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into the site to uh, to make it the best it can possibly be so if you're interested in the cfl or canadian football as a whole please check it out john we really appreciate you taking the time today uh we've had a lot of fun talking talking football and everything uh you're more than welcome to come back anytime and we can do it again uh again we really appreciate it that's our show for the week uh again you can find trevor and i on twitter trevor's at the bleacher con one i'm at the bleacher con two Appreciate everyone for tuning in. 
We'll talk to you in a week. Thanks, everyone.